G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is our finals week one preview. Always a massive occasion with uh, not one, not two, but four juicy finals to get our teeth stuck into here with fulsome previews, plenty more besides as usual we are here proudly for Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As I say, very good morning to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. I love this weekend of final story. Four rippers ahead of us. You're looking forward to it. Well, you've been patient, and of course, there's been a lot of debate about the uh, the buy. And uh, you and I had um, not arguments; we had alternate points of view. And um, I'm just delighted the buy was last week, Rowan, because I get to watch Dustin Martin play foot finals football, and 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 that's enough to me for me. Well, I don't know if Brisbane will be that delighted about that prospect. No, but but we're independent. Yeah, I couldn't care less who. I want to see four good games. And my reason for the buy is I want to see uh, Taylor Adams back, needed the buy. Dustin Martin back, needed the buy. Let's have an even competition. But I do accept your argument that what is the what is the benefit for Geelong to do all the hard work to finish on top where the teams can get uh, players back and even up the, uh, uh, the competition going into the finals. It should be really difficult for seven and eight to win, shouldn't it, Rowan? It really should. difficult, but it's it, not that hard now. It should. I should point out at this point, without revisiting the whole argument again, every no. time it comes up, uh, Western Bulldogs fans get really crotchety because they think you're saying they were gifted a premiership. My argument isn't with the bottom half of the eight so much, it's about the top four being penalised. And if you win a qualifying final and you play one game in 27 days, you are being penalised. Anyway, we're not going to go over no, we're not. all that again, <clears throat> but uh, we've got a bit of news to go with first, but then we're going to do some pretty detailed uh, looks at the um, first four finals. And, uh, you know, I, I can't, whenever we get this first week of finals, um, it always comes back to me, 1994, the first year of the final eight, and we had that incredible weekend of finals where we had the extra time out at Waverley with North Melbourne playing Hawthorne. We had uh, Melbourne upsetting Carlton at the MCG. We had Billy Brownless goaling after the siren for Geelong against Footscray, and we had Collingwood, who'd finished eighth, nearly upsetting West Coast, who finished on top Jeez. in Perth. So um, it, it can produce some remarkable... Um, games, some remarkable uh, drama. So if we get anything that good, we'll be very lucky. But just on that game, Ron, just quickly, is that the Sandy Roberts call? Which, Bill, which Billy, one? You, you are, are the, the king of Geelong. Geelong? Yeah, it, it is right indeed. On. Okay, good. And uh, I went out to Waverley that day and watched the extra time and then hot-footed it out to the G and saw the night game. It was pretty amazing. Anyway, okay. only 28 years ago now. All right. Oh, dear. Let's get into it. We've got some news to get through. On Footyology, Newsfeed. Oh, I promise we are not going to make this the Essendon show, but, of course, the Bombers very much in the news. The search for a new coach for 2023 goes on. Uh, you may recall this time last week, Xavier Campbell stepped down as we were, were recording this show, dramatic Dramatic scenes on our podcast, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's a little bit calmer today. Um, a bit of detail that we just need to touch on. The panel appointed to find the next Essendon coach, if you're not across this, uh, will be chaired by football manager Josh Marnie. It also comprises uh, leading businessman Andrew Thorburn, 
director Dorothy Hisgrove, uh, former netball star and uh, sporting luminary Simone McInnes, and the two, I guess the two whose names have come up the most, the uh, football identities, Jordan Lewis, former Hawk premiership player, and none other than Robert Walshory. Now, I just want to get your take on this because I've got to say I've been a bit surprised at the uh, the backlash from some quarters about Robert Walls. So I want to get one thing pretty clear here. I worked with Wallsy for a long, long time on 3AW and at The Age. Uh, can I just tell you, really, seriously, some Essendon supporters, his anti-Essendon thing, it is theatre. It is absolutely nothing more than theatre. The, the man grew up an Essendon supporter he has a lot of respect for the club. He would not be appointed if he really was an Essendon hater. And um, it, I, I can't believe people take this seriously. I think it's a really good appointment because he's a very learned football person. He's been through a, a lot of those processes before. He knows what makes clubs tick. Um, and it's a different slant on it from the other members of that committee, all of whom I, I think could be good. Jordan Lewis as well. I mean, you know, the Hawthorne-Essendon thing, he's getting criticised about that. I mean, you know, if you're not casting your eye towards what made what has made Hawthorne continually so successful for close to, well, 50-odd years now, you need your head read. So I, I think it's a really good panel, and I'm really happy about it. What's your take? Yeah, the first time I saw it, because I was worried, and I put myself right in here, and I was worried uh, because sometimes I take offence to be uh, linked to the old boys network, and I'm just part of that cartel. I take offence to that because I feel I've got very independent views, and I'm removed from that. But I am delighted with the makeup. I, I, I've got a sense of freedom, a sense of objectivity. Um, I've known Robert Walls as long as you, um, and um, I've found him entertaining. Uh, yes, he, he's, he's gruff on the outside and all that, all that sort of thing. He brings 60 years' experience to this process. He won't dominate the process, folks. He will sit back. He will be a guiding influence. He, they will lean on his opinion in, in, in difficult questioning, He's not, he's not a domineering type. The hatred, I've even seen people say he will deliberately sabotage the process. Like people, you're adults. It, it, you're, you're adults. People don't do that. They have pride in their performance. They want to give Essendon the absolute best result. Pride in their professionalism. I'll just butt in there too, uh, for anyone who wants to bring this up, I did used to regularly as part of our shtick, give it to Wolsey about him being a Carlton plant when he became Richmond coach. That <laughs> also was theatre. I wasn't being serious. Seriously. I mean, people get so wound up about this sort of stuff and most of it is balderdash. I mean, these people, yeah, they've got professional reputations to protect. They're not going to do things like that, and they're not going to be appointed to a committee if there's any suggestion of them doing that. I like um, I like the presence of someone like Dorothy Hisgrove, who's worked in that sort of, uh, you know, HR personnel type space. Um, you know, you've got a, a business influence there. You've got Josh Marnie, so that you know, someone who's sort of recently been at the coalface of the football club and aware what sort of issues there's been more recently. Um, let's just talk about candidates. I, I was reading some stuff last night. Can I tell you? Yeah. So often with coaching appointments, you get a feel, you know, oh, there's info coming out here, there, everywhere, because names will just emerge. The one thing I'm pretty confident about after reading this, the speculation over the last week, no one has a clue about this, and which is great. Um, but all the news stories you've read about that coaching spot and about Ross Lyon, where he's at, and other guys, and James Hurd still a chance, whatever. I, I, I reckon I can assure you the people writing that stuff really don't know. I'm not saying they shouldn't be writing it. There needs to be speculation. They need to find material. But no one's got an inside running here on on who's going to get it. And you can tell that because it's just the same stuff sort of rehashed in different ways. I don't know. Are you feeling any differently about the position, uh, Rob? I'm, I'm still 
you know, like given my druthers, I'm probably still leaning towards, you know, if if it's possible, um, someone like Ross Lyon, because I think this is a club that desperately needs toughening up. And yeah, I'm aware of the, you know, the criticisms of Ross in various regards, but I think he would whip an entire club into shape. So I'm still leaning that way, but, you know, I'm also completely open to other possibilities too. And it's interesting. I think the club, after that initial thing about an experienced coach has really sort of clarified that. So mm. uh, to make sure we're not talking about it, just having to be someone who's coached at senior level before. I'm a very, um, um, yeah, look, I can understand Ross. And I think there has to be an element of that, Rowan. There has to be uh, a, an element of non-negotiable standards of uh, uh, in intensity, um, accountability, N- not so much fear, but players on edge a little bit. Mm. We've been the most relaxed club for you know, and um, and and it's got to really mean something. I- I'm still slightly favouring the experienced emerging uh, senior coach with um, a a strong experienced mentor. And, and the example I gave, and without biased, because I couldn't put Uze's name there, but I used the uh, the Solomon Mark Williams um, some month a month ago. That sort of experienced assistant, ready to go with very very strong. Like you put Mark Williams into that club, and that uh, and and it changes, Rowan, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. It changes. And um, I think we're both on the same track. I can understand Lyon, um, but I just threw up that other. I I like the combination, the senior coach with the strong. And and plus the other thing, one of Essendon's weaknesses from where I look at it is it's player development programs. Yeah. So I, I would like to see us go and pinch Mark Williams from Melbourne and put him in charge of that process and uh, bring it, bring the Essendon kids along quickly and, may I say, aggressively. Just on Ross Lyon again, it's interesting. I think some people have presumed that because he ended up withdrawing from the Carlton race last year that he is not prepared to go through a process. And it's not necessarily what I've gleaned from that. I mean, he ended up not wanting to go through that process but I, I'm not, unless I've missed something he said here, I would never go through a process. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case this time. So, uh, I mean, Nick Rewalt, because of his media work, keeps getting asked, you know, what, where's Lion at today? Where, you know, and then two days later, where's Lion at today? And he's saying he still thinks it's less likely than likely, but he says, but I'm not saying that definitively because every time I, I listen to Ross speak, I still hear a coach. And I mean, I for what it's worth, I, I certainly think that too. And, um, you know, I think that thing about Carlton and not going through the process was more about the circumstances of that p- particular job, not a, a general summation of his philosophy. So I certainly wouldn't count him out from that point of view. Um, yeah, I agree. I, just, uh, yeah, go on. I'm just changing it slightly, Rowan. Um, all, all this is linked to um, the, the the processes or the lack of processes that happened um, on the Essendon board. Like yeah. over a very short time, there was a debate about internal versus external, uh, the Campbell extension that fell through the cracks, to yeah. quote Paul Brasher, the pursuit or lack of pursuit of Alistair Clarkson. And these are all things I read and, you know, you perceive. And the final one was the quality of of the review um, when they internally reviewed themselves, which led to um, David Barham, quite rightly, asking questions and resulted in a spill. That's, yeah. led, that's led to four or five positions or four positions opening up. And then blow me down, Rowan. Um, I picked up the age the other day, and on page two, uh, I know you did a podcast with one of the Essendon podcast people. Uh, there, there is That's a Rowan sad. Connolly, a Rowan Connolly in the second page of the age saying, I, I, I'm up for it. Um, 
for a, a board consideration. Can you clarify your position with regard to that and what you said? No comment. I'll, I'll be making no comment at this time. <laughs> can, can I tell you, I got, I got the shock of my life on Monday morning. Well, so did I. <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't see that, to be honest. I got a text from my mum saying, you're aware you're on page two of the age. And I said, what the, what, what's that about? Uh, anyway, I clearly a very, very slow news day. No, I did the uh, the lunchtime catch-up podcast, very good podcast for Essendon supporters uh, with Scott and Grant. And um, they were asking me about it. I was just talking about philosophically. Well, I think I have some abilities in a, you know, a media, uh, PR, perhaps marketing sense that could be of some value to the club. And I think I understand the club pretty well. But I mean, it was that was very broad brush. I mean, I'm not about to launch a campaign, but but I have always said consistently, I'd, I'd love to help the club. You know, if if they're keen on my help, so. Yeah. Um, you know, let, let's see. I mean, it would also obvious difficulties there if you're a, a a media commentator commentating on the game, and you, although it hasn't stopped Eddie Maguire and Chris Judd <laughs> and um, Stephen Silvani when he was on the Carlton board, and a whole lot of other uh, other people, has it? So anyway, I mean, look, a lot of things to take into account. But let me say this, Robert. Um, I certainly would love to help the club in in whatever capacity I can. But um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there? I, I never. Uh, you don't well, think when you, well, you uh, don't think when you get into journalism you're going to be the news. You think you're going to report the news. So I, I don't know what's right. going on. I the think media. you've am, I think you've answered it very well. Very oh, very no. slow news day. All right, enough on Essendon. Let's uh, talk the Hang other. On, can I just say that, Ron? It's not about Essendon. It's a very big issue about. Board fallout, decision making, chasing coaches. This could be any any team. It has to have the discussion. It, it it's quite clear. But as usual, it appears to be uh, Essendon coming into the uh, into the headlights again. Anyway, keep going, mate. All right. Well, uh, the Tasmanian team issue continues to come up, and Gil McLaughlin launched the final series the other day, and it. Um, it bobbed up again. I'm not sure if that was for any reason other than Gil McLaughlin was doing a, a press conference about something else. But uh, what, what's your latest info on the Tasmanian team situation? Yeah, I, I'm prepared to hasten slowly. I've been waiting 30 years, so another week's not going to worry me, Rowan, too much. Okay, so just tell us on that. It has been put back, hasn't it? The um... It's been put back um, and, and the club's aren't in possession of the actual final presentation yet. And as Jeff Kennett's Jeff Kennett, but as he rightly said, don't forget, I've got to read it and then I've got to summarise it. The other thing is these clubs have to take it to their board, Rowan, mm. and, and that would be a significant meeting. Then the report's got to come back uh, courtesy of each each club. That would be presented by the club's uh, either presidents or CEO, I would imagine. There is still a lot of work to go. The the question of the stadium raises its head. Um, is it part of the deal? The Premier said no, it's not part of the deal. Mm. But it would it would be important. And I think it is part of the deal, Rowan, and I'll tell you why. Not from economics and all that point of view. The, the capacity of Utah Stadium in Launceston, the old York Park, is roughly 18,000. Yeah. Right? The capacity of Blunston Arena, which is now the test and one-day cricket venue, um, is around about 18,000. I can assure you, Rowan, without any con- – I'm not even conceding any issue here. If Tasmania has their own team and the public identify that team, meaning, okay – the cub, the colours, maybe the map in the left-hand corner, the people have to identify it. You have not got a stadium in Tasmania big enough to hold this team. And there you go. We're nowhere near it because they will rally behind this jumper. And you've got the other thing to consider, Rowan. Tasmania's 40 minutes away. Like, it, it is a great destination. If Tasmania are playing Collingwood... Mate, they're leaving 
they're leaving Melbourne on the Wednesday and they're going on the boat and they're touring and they're going down to Port Arthur and they're going into the Lakes District. They're making a holiday. It is an unbelievable challenge for infrastructure given that people love to travel to watch their teams, don't they? They love to travel and watch their team and being so close, um, you're going to need a bigger boat to quote that movie. You're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, that movie being Jaws, was not it? Starring? Uh, 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 Richard Dreyfus. No, oh, Rowan, please. Robert Shaw. Oh, Robert Shaw, of course. <laughs> hey, on, wasn't it Richard Dreyfus in? No, no, he yeah, wasn't. Yeah, he was in it. He was, was in he? it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Sorry. that's that's my. All right. Can uh, I just say I, yep. I I disagree with you on the stadium thing. I, I think you get the team in and worry about the stadium later. And that look, I I know some people involved in Tasmanian politics. I think they have very genuine concerns about that amount of money being channeled towards the stadium rather than things like health and education. Um, so you know they're very real concerns, and I think I don't. Uh, you know, reject what you're saying about the crowds, but I think that's a bit further down the track. I mean, you know, look, we're, I, I realise it's a foundation football state and whatever, but you're looking at GWS can't even get more than six thousand in their grounds a, a decade on. You're you know, not comparing Tasmania. No, to no, I, no, I'm not. I realise it's a it's a non heritage area GWS, but. I think you get the team in and, and you worry about the stadium later. I mean, I'd, it'd be, you agree, don't you, that if that was... Oh, look, I said the no, stadium's on, wait, they've let me, got... Let, let me finish. Just let no, me but finish. you're making me sound... You, you're turning... No, I'm That's just, not I'm, what I said. No, okay, but I'm asking you a question. I'm saying you wouldn't want the thing which prevented it happening to be the stadium, wouldn't no. you? Yeah, okay, good. All right, that's all I was asking. Okay. No, I was saying what the capacity of the two grounds now yeah. is not big enough. Yeah, I, I suspect it is, but maybe not down the but track. You'd, you'd, well, they don't fill them now, do they? Of course they don't, Rowan. North Melbourne are playing Fremantle. Goodness me, mate. Well, not all the time. They've played Geelong and Melbourne. The, and... Not down there, they don't? No, nah, no, they don't. Well, they've no, played they Geelong. Hawthorne play, Hawthorne play St. Hang on a sec. North Melbourne have played Geelong down there the past two years. What was the crowd, Ron? Oh. And, and, and what is the – okay, let's keep going on this, please. Sorry, folks. What is the connection with Tasmanians to that yeah, game? Not a lot. Not Thank a lot. you. Okay. No, no, no I, I accept all that. I just don't think you're going to get double that crowd automatically because it's a Tasmanian team. But Well, you are. All right. Well, I'm glad you're such an enthusiastic spruiker well, for your ma- home Maybe state. being born and bred and having uh, in the heartland and knowing the people for 50 to 60 years, yeah. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. All right. I'll take that on board, Mr. Shaw, and I admire your passion on this topic. <laughs> all right, uh, mate. We've got some finals. All right. Or is that it for news or what? That, no. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You're acting like this is a phone call again, Robert. It's a podcast. Come on. Whatever All right. it is. That is probably enough on news, <laughs> I think. Uh, let's preview some finals. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. Week one of the finals kicks off Thursday evening at the Gabba, 7.20pm with Brisbane taking on Richmond. It is a elimination final Lose here and it's all over for season 2022. Uh, big stakes, big odds too, thanks to Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And as we go to air, the head-to-head odds on this game, Richmond, despite the fact it's at the Gabba, Richmond are favourite, paying $1.71, Brisbane, Palmerbet offering $2.15 on the lines. They are fascinating odds because, as we all know, Brisbane's record at this ground is amazing. They have won 38 of 46 games at the Gabba since the start of 2019, which is a strike rate of 83%. But, and it's a massive but, they've only won one out of five finals at the Gabba in that same time, which is only 20%. Also, Richmond has a terrific record over the Lions. They've won 17 of their last 19 encounters, going back all the way to 2010. 
And Richmond's record at the Gabba is also phenomenal. The Tigers have won 12 out of 14 at that ground since 2005. What are your initial thoughts on this one, Rob? Well, this is, uh, talk about finals pressure. This is more about mental pressure to me. You've uh, highlighted not only the the comparison between their home record and their finals record. Um, This is immense for for Brisbane. Uh, I I don't think the coach is under pressure, but um, uh, they they haven't got their their key back in Adams. They've lost Cam Rayner and Noah Answorth. If, if, If they can win this... This is a superb performance by Brisbane because they've got uh, mental demons hanging on, the, you know, hanging off both shoulders. No doubt, and uh, they would have been exacerbated by what happened last time around, which uh, really isn't that long ago at all. It's only a month or so ago, and it was that round twenty game at the MCG. Shane Edwards' 300th game when Brisbane got off to a flyer, seven goal first quarter, in fact, got forty two points up but mown down by the Tigers in the second half. Ten goals to three in that second half. The Tigers getting up by seven points. Uh, Certainly things clicked on the scoreboard for them that day. Noah Cumberland, five goals for the Tigers in that game. Lynch kicked four. That was uh, pretty much the start of his superb run of form and a couple each to Bolton. And Rewalt, Shea Bolton, uh, the star in that game. Uh, the Lions that day, they got four goals out of Hipwood, three out of Danaher, two each to Cameron and McCarthy. But uh, I reckon that was another game which might have, uh, the little man on the shoulder might have grown a bit after that one too, Rob. So I agree with you. I think if Brisbane can knock off Richmond, reverse that finals record, uh, you know, perhaps just that one result would be enough to expunge all those demons. But they are there and they are very real, I think. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And just look at Brisbane. That That's significant. I know it's four-quarter game, but to be 42 points up means you can play. They are the fourth-best team at scoring out of defence, so they are, they are a running, smooth, ball-using machine. Uh, they know how to score and move the footy. They're the number one team from coast-to-coast ball movement. That suits their game plan. Um the question of them is resilience and mental toughness and even physical toughness, uh, particularly in finals football. And they come up against a team um, that that can handle that sort of thing. Richmond have scored 61.8 points from, from turnovers. So, And they've also 34, these are stats, 34.5 points from forward half interception. So you've got a, a contrast in styles, Rowan. Brisbane want to go coast to coast. Richmond have the game to stop that. It's pretty simple. If Rich and those figures are very, very similar, if not identical, to Richmond's premiership years. So the Tigers are back in premiership formation on their KPIs. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I keep saying this. I think the way they have cranked it up in the last month is very reminiscent of the pattern they fired in 2017, which was they had the pressure game. It wasn't necessarily as impactful on the scoreboard, and then something clicked up forward. What happened? It was a bit of personnel stuff. Townsend came in and started kicking goals for them. They had uh, Castagna. uh, Jack Graham came into that side then too and became an important pressure player. Now, I think you, you, this year's Townsend, I think, is Noah Cumberland. I think he's doing exactly what Townsend was doing, forward line pressure and goal-kicking ability. And I think Morris Rioli Jr., he's stepping up another level. Those two have been really important in converting that forward half pressure into scoreboard returns. And I think it's a very, very similar sort of graph for them in terms of their scores just going bang uh, in the, late in the season as happened in 2017. So, um, and incidentally, I did run that past a couple of Richmond people and they said, you know what? You're right. And that's why you (laughs) should be running for the Essendon board. Um, (laughs) No, just throwing that in. Uh, And of course, massive uh, in for the Tigers. Dustin Martin uh, will play. And I mentioned Jack Graham, who will be available for selection and pretty certain he'd, he'd play too. Now, unfortunately for Brisbane, um, worst possible time for Marcus Adams not to be there with Lynch firing, with 
Rewalt part of the equation and with um, Cumberland as well. Uh, they they need strong key backs and they don't have enough of them. And I think that leaves them personnel-wise in massive trouble, doesn't it? Uh, particularly if they don't defend well, uh, which has uh, been their habit. Um, they're going to play well because it's their home ground, got a massive crowd behind them. But I want to uh, just briefly go through some of the matchups. I'm glad you mentioned Lynch, Martin and Graham, although Lynch didn't miss, did he, Rowan? He was just uh, precautionary. The Tigers on their injury list only have the one significant player out, and that is pretty significant, uh, Dylan Grimes. Um, we talk about Richmond under finals pressure, and I'm not putting on on this bloke other than he, he left because he left Essendon, but he went to play finals football. Uh, he's on a good earn. Um, read Joe Danaher as for the Brisbane Lions. I think it's going to be a significant finals campaign for Joe Danaher. It has to be. He has to stand up. He's over his shoulder injuries, and he will come up against the the ageing veteran, the resilient uh, Tarrant, so that will be a very good battle. Um, other ones I want you to look at, Rowan, I think we're going to see a ripper, uh, no tags here. I think we're going to see Neil versus Prestia. Mm. around the stoppages, or, well, I hope we do, Mm. because um, both are in, like, Dion Prestia, since he's overcome that hamstring, and which was a real worry for them, Rowan, because it could have been, it was bordering on career-ending. He has been one of the premier midfielders, and I hope we see the match-up with Neil. Starsevich's got a huge role to play on the half-forward because listen to the blokes that he might have. He might have Dustin Martin. Martin's going to play significant forward time. Mm. So that's going to have to be Stasevich. What's going to happen when Bolton goes forward? Has to be Stasevich again because on the other flank, they use Daniel Rich for a different reason. Mm. Set up, play off his man, give it to him left foot, and he kicks inside 50. I've mentioned Tarrant Danaher, and, and that would be the main watches for me in the matchups, right? All right. Well, uh, plenty of flexibility there with the Tigers up forward and plenty of issues for the Lions matching them up, as you just so capably pointed out. All right. Uh, give us a tip and a margin. Well, I'm – yeah, it, it all looks like Richmond, doesn't it, for the reasons we spoke about. So uh, the reaction from Brisbane Lions is going to be critical here. They have to stand up as a club and a team but I'm still going for the veterans. I'm still going with Richmond's uh, KPIs, matching their premiership ones. And if they play like they're capable of doing, still with their attacking flair, I'm going for Richmond by 21 points. Uh, Ditto. As you know, I'm a big believer in the Tigers. I think they're not only a massive chance in this game, I think they're a massive chance of going all the way, at least uh, reaching yet another grand final. So I think that starts here. Um, I think Brisbane will be competitive, but uh, Richmond for me, uh, Tigers by 16 points. All right, that is a massive Thursday night elimination final. We have a qualifying final to be played on the Friday. Let's talk about that. Qualifying final time at the MCG Friday evening, 7.50. Finals football returning to Melbourne. First final played in this city since the 2019 grand final three years ago. Do you believe that? It's great to have you back, finals. Uh, Palmer Vet, our wonderful podcast partners, uh, what odds are they offering on this game? Well, as we record this, Remember, you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. It's the Demons, who are warmish favourites, paying $1.47. Sydney, good value here, given their run of form in the second half of the season. You can get $2.70 head-to-head on the Swans. Both these sides finishing with 16 wins, 6 losses for the season, decided uh, those positions only on percentage. Um, Sydney's record against Melbourne is really, really good. In fact, over the last 19 encounters, they have won 15 of them. Another has been drawn and just three losses. That record over a 16-year period since 2006 and the Swans also go pretty well at the MCG, where they are 6-3 and three 
since 2018. They've played there twice this year. Uh, the first, a big win over Melbourne, which we'll talk about in a minute, and the other one, a narrow loss to Essendon. But uh, this is going to be a cracking game. Robert, your initial thoughts on this one? Just some initial ones. Rowan, starting with the Sydney Swans, they're the fourth average points per game four. They're the third points from turnovers, and they're second best team at scoring from inside 50s. So they are an elite attacking team. And when you think of their team and the makeup, which we'll go through later, you can understand why. They're coming up against, traditionally, the number one defensive team. Uh, the, the fifth best team also from defending ball movement. And, um, the, the, and Melbourne concede the least number of points across the year. So even though Melbourne have been a bit up and down and shuffling in and out of what's their best and where they drop off a bit, um, they are very, very close to returning to their best defensive game. We've seen bits and pieces of it. We haven't seen it as consistently as last year, but this matchup is a contrast in styles which makes it a ripper game. Yeah, it will be a ripper game and Sydney going in with plenty of confidence after what happened last time, which was uh, in round 12, uh, a, I think it was yeah Saturday night game. Uh, Demons got off to a great start in this one. They kicked the first five goals, but Sydney mowed them down in the finish to get up by 12 points. Uh, the final scores in that were 10-13-73, the Swans to Melbourne 9-7-61. No Buddy Franklin that night either, but three goals each to Sam Reid and Logan McDonald and a couple to little Tom Papley as well. Max Gorn, terrific for the Demons in the ruck. He had 28 disposals, 30 hitouts, kicked three goals as well, but not enough for the Ds. Uh, interesting one, This Melbourne had seven of the top eight disposal winners in that game. But uh, probably not as influential as some of these swans. Callum Mills was terrific that night. And uh, the McCartan brothers, Tom and Paddy, also very pivotal to Sydney holding Melbourne to a losing score. Bailey Fritch kicked three along with Gorn three, but uh, not enough goals coming for the Demons. So uh, every reason for Sydney to go into this game really confident, isn't it? Well, there's no doubt about that. I think you raised the point that I want to open the batting with, and that's Tom McCartan. We have seen him be exposed a couple of times. So the strength of the Sydney's back line is that combination with his brother and Rampy. If they can isolate um, Tom McCartan deep, they have a real chance of kicking goals on him. But who's that to be, Ryan? You've raised the importance of Ben Brown. Is he back in last year's form? They've also got a decision to make. How urgent, and I'll, I'll just pass to you at the moment for a question without notice. How important do you think Tom McDonald is? And is it a, a, a necessity to rush him back to sort of strengthen that front half, given the fact that they'll come up against the McCartan brothers? And the key to winning this is to separate their influence. Yeah, I think it's a gamble worth taking. I mean, there's no question it's a gamble. It's been so long since he played at senior level, but he at least got a hit out in the VFL last week, which I think will, um, you know, sort of alleviate any concerns. Uh, just while we're speaking returns and injuries and whatever, Luke Jackson's had a calf strain, but he should be all right. Uh, ditto Christian Salem, who's had a groin injury. And um, uh, the Swans... Uh, well, no, I'll ask you that in a minute. I, yeah, look, yeah. I, I, I think you go with McDonald because I, I think, you know, you have that one extra tool up there. It just makes Brown a bit more dangerous. I, I still think Brown, his performance or otherwise, will be the key determinant of whether Melbourne gets up and wins this one. Just on personnel, what, about, what are you thinking about Josh Kennedy? Is he any chance at all? No, he's not. I don't think so. Um, but uh, if they progress, he certainly comes into contention. We had this discussion a month ago, Ron. We yeah. we didn't write him off because he's a champion, but we did categorise him in uh, break glass in emergency. I don't think it's an emergency. It's a qualifying final. It's a double chance. And um, so I'll just leave it for the moment. They get Papley back. But, mate, 
we've got to look at uh, the matchups. You know, I'm so interested in watching the progression of this uh, uh, young Warner up against Petrarca, Viney and Oliver. It's going to be a sensational matchup because you've mentioned Mills on the wing. I'm intrigued as to what they're going to do with Langdon. Part of the process is shutting down Melbourne, is shutting down Langdon. Do they move Raf Clark from the defensive forward role that he's played so well, where he could go to Salem? Or Raf, do they put Raf robot Clark. Raf Man, Clark. Ryan Who did I Clark. say? Ryan, Ryan. you Ryan. said Raf Clark. Raf Clark played for St Kilda. About there's a lot of, there's a lot years of ago. Our, <laughs> there's a lot of our Clarks around. Well, that All shows right. you the. Um, does he go to Salem on a halfback flank and and stop Salem's distribution? Can he go to the wing, or would that be uh, a, a job for a row bottom or a McInerney? I think Langdon's so so important. The ruck the rucks on paper is an edge to Gorn and Jackson over Hickey and Reed, but I'm not writing off Hickey because he's been superb for them, and it gives them the flexibility of the forward line of Reed, McDonald, and um, and, and Lance Franklin up against May, Lever and Petty. All right. Uh, very good points, all of those, uh, obviously. Oh, can I just say one more, Ron? It is the best defensive team against the best ball movement team. So based on that, what usually wins finals? Defence. I, I would have thought so, and that's why I'm leaning to Melbourne in, a, um, uh, in probably the game of the final series – the, the game of the first round of the final series, uh, contrasting styles, brilliant form, attacking flair. I'm just going to give the edge to Melbourne by um, oh, n- nine points nine based points. on their yeah on their capacity to, to stifle Sydney's exciting ball movement. Yep. Yeah, I, I tend to think it's going to be a similar sort of uh, scoreline to what we saw last time, i.e. Uh, reasonably low scoring. I still think it'll be a really entertaining game, though. And, uh, yeah, no, the Swans definitely good value on the bigger grounds now. They've got plenty of run and carry, and Melbourne's capacity to stop that will be uh, probably what decides who wins and who loses. I'm a big believer in the Swans. I, I love what they do. I love watching them play. But, uh yeah, I reckon Melbourne's just starting to crank it up in the same way Richmond is. Gee, we've got some informed sides going into this final series. I think Melbourne are ready to roll. Yeah, go on. Mate, you, you, you're you bullish about Richmond maybe getting to a grand final. First, you have to get to a preliminary final. Mm. Out of Geelong, Melbourne, Sydney and uh, who's the first? Oh, Collingwood. So you're saying... You will do the game in a minute. You're basically saying Collingwood's accept, uh, the um, the worry out of the top four to get through to a preliminary. Well, watch this space when we preview that game. I'll tell you. Yeah, then. that's fine. Yeah, well, yeah. Richmond have to say someone's place in the preliminary. Right. Co- correct. No um, all right. Uh, where was I? <laughs> I'm going to stick with Melbourne here. I think they're uh, just about back to their absolute peak. But uh, like you, I think it's going to be pretty narrow margin. So I'm going for the Demons to win also by eight points, which uh, should that happen, of course, they go straight through to a preliminary final and Sydney would get a knockout semi at home uh, against the winner of uh, Brisbane and Richmond, uh, which would be a very interesting clash. All right. There is Thursday and Friday night. We've got two more finals to finish off week one of the finals, and they are both on Saturday. 4.35 Saturday afternoon at the MCG, all roads leading there, and it is two great rivals, two great finals rivals too. They've played in so many finals, these two, Geelong versus Collingwood. Palmerbet, our friends at Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the odds as follows. Uh, the Cats, uh, as we go to air, the officially the warmest favourites of this weekend's finalists in head-to-head betting, $1.40 Palmerbet paying on the prospect of a Geelong victory, Collingwood, you can get $2.98 head-to-head on the pies. Well, the Cats, what a season it's been for them. A powerhouse, 18 wins, four losses. They finished two games clear 
of three teams all won 16 wins, one of whom was the Pies, who finished fourth with 16 wins and six losses. Geelong has won six of its last eight meetings with Collingwood. Uh, what about their records at the MCG? Well, Geelong this year at the MCG has played five times and it's won four of them. Collingwood, well, they don't play anywhere except the MCG, do they? Just about uh, 14 games, the Pies, on the MCG this year, 12 of which they have emerged victorious in, and indeed they've won their last nine games now at the MCG. Geelong, 4-1 at the G this year. Take it over two years, though, and it's uh, pretty impressive. 8-1 on the MCG uh, last year and this year. How are you seeing this one initially, Robert? Once again, um, a terrific matchup. At Geelong, best in the league at scoring from turnovers, number one at locking the ball in their forward line, which gives the likes of Stengel the opportunity to uh, uh, kick goals, number one ball movement team, and def- number four at defending the opposition. A beautifully balanced uh, uh, set of KPIs there for the Cats. Given, uh, add their flexibility, add the role changes and add their introduction of youth, there is no surprise that this team will start premiership favourites and certainly favourites in this game. But they're up against the irresistible force. They'll get Taylor Adams back, the Pies, and they just believe they are the best offensive team in the competition. But also, 12 games won... They conceded the third least number of points against Rowan. So they are not without a chance based on what they're really good at. Offence with a lovely balance of uh, defence and, and, and the third best points against. And I always look at points against when you're, when you're comparing sides. They have a great back line, a settled back line, and it's going to be some intriguing matchups which we'll talk about in a moment. They are the number one team, right, number one team at defending opposition ball movement, the Pies, but this is where they might run into trouble. They are 13th at clearances. But it's a a great set of numbers for both teams. All right, well, let's talk about last time they met because uh, it was a cracker. It was back in round three. It was right at the start of the season, but uh, I think you got some sense in this game that Collingwood... Uh, meant business in 2022. They led this game for all but the last little bit. In fact, at three-quarter time, they were 30 points up on the Cats and took something special in the last quarter. That was a seven goals to nothing last quarter, and it also took six goals from Jeremy Cameron for Geelong to get over the top of the Pies, uh, who had some great midfield uh, performances in this game. Taylor Adams was great. Still side bottom. Uh, Scott Pendlebury, Jordan Degoe, all those big names were terrific for the Pies. And the big names uh, brought the Cats thundering home. Uh, huge last quarters from Paddy Dangerfield that night. Uh, Joel Selwood and Cam Guthrie as well. Uh, a great, terrific game, this. Uh, look, I I know the Pies are the outsiders this first week, but gee, it's... um. It's marginal. You know, we've talked about their wins in the close games. Yeah, 12 games decided by 11 points or less. They've won 11. Look, they've had some fortune. But to be honest, they've won most of them because they're a pretty damn good side. And uh, I think they're a very underrated side. We don't see necessarily the same sort of calibre of names, particularly in that back line, as other sides have, even the Cats. But uh, as a unit, I think they just perform so well. Uh, look, Geelong, I reckon this game could be as tough for the Cats as any game they'll play through this final series, including the grand final. Collingwood has a nasty habit of upsetting the Geelong apple cart. Uh, I reckon they're, you know, there's some sort of chance to do it again. Absolutely. And um, you mentioned it before in that comeback when you had the 197-centimetre quick mobile left footer in Jeremy Cameron kicking the six goals, Rowan. Moore will go to Hawkins, and despite the fact that they've both had sensational years and complement this, they are the key to the back line, Howe and Murphy, but they are readers of the plate. They are intercept markers. Um, I don't think 
they both have the, what do I say, maybe the aerobic capacity or even the pace to go with Jeremy Cameron. They've got a significant matchup, but I've got the answer for them. If you're prepared to concede 10 centimetres, um, go with Braden Maynard. Mm. That'd be an unusual matchup, but there is method in my madness. Their most competitive player, big occasion player, and I think they'll do well in the. I think they'll do well on Stengel. I think they'll do well on Holmes. I think they'll do okay on Hawkins. Jeremy Cameron remains the key to this game, so it's going to take something maybe unusual or special, and I'm going to call Maynard to Cameron and concede ten centimetres. Well, I think I might have seen a story in the paper today, actually, Maynard actually putting his hand up for that role. So um, you might have had a bit of a chat to him. I right? haven't been to the service station yet, Rowan. I've been... Why are you telling us if you've been to a service station? Up at the service station. I'll walk up to the service station And get the paper? And get the paper. Okay, all right. I wondered, well, what are you telling us? Well, that means I haven't read anything. Okay, well, how are we supposed to know that? That was a cold. (laughs) That was a cold. Oh, well, that's good. Um, So that's going to be critical. I love the Collingwood back line. I have all year. uh, But at the same stage, the the same, um, on the same tone, De Koning uh, and and Stewart have been outstanding. So the Pies going to have to rely on Elliot. Uh, my check is diligent, hardworking, uh, but he'll come up against De Koning. Um, a fraction of worry for me, unless De, uh, De Goey can play out of the forward line a little bit more with Taylor Adams coming back, and that's a bit of a key. Adams coming back might give you Dugowie up forward as a legitimate leading full forward, which will will create a little bit of a uh, a match-up problem, but it increases their goal kicking. I'm not sure the Pies can break through this Geelong defence, Ron. It's a fantastic defence, uh, no doubt about that. And we talked off the top of the show about the pre-finals buy. I mean, one side that will definitely get the benefit from it this year is indeed the Cats, remembering that uh, Mitch Duncan, Cameron, of course, for that hamstring, and Reece Stanley all missed that uh, final round game against West Coast. Uh, Cole Jasny still um, dealing with concussion, a chance to be available. I just got a feeling that... Um, the big names got the Cats over the line. I've got a feeling that this time it might be the lesser lights whose contributions end up telling. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about my boy, Maxie Holmes. I reckon he can play a big role in this game. Jeez, he's quick. He's oh, oh, it's quick. not him? Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's, that's Petrocelli. Uh, right, sorry. But he is we're, quick. We're, we're, and, he, <laughs> and he's got great endurance as well. Uh, he's had a really good season, Max. What a good and player. Anyway, uh, I think he can be really important. Um, I think a guy like Brandon Parfitt could be really important. And I think Tyson Stengel, um, all Australian, so it goes without saying how good a season he's had. But uh, I could just see him sneaking under the guard with three, his obligatory three goals. That would be the ninth time <laughs> he did it this season and uh, being a match winner for them. Look, I think the Pies are going to be really, really competitive. I don't think victory is going to come easily, but I reckon the Cats will get the job done here and go straight through to a preliminary final. I'm tipping Geelong to win this one by 16 points. Robert, what say you? Just a quick one, Rowan. Do they go to Stanley or Segler? Given Segler is very aggressive, very strong, or do they go back for tried and true and what's been their preferred balance, which is uh, Stanley with a little bit of backup from Mark Blixar's, if required? Yeah, I reckon Stanley. And uh, he was a late uh, withdrawal in the qualifying final they lost to Collingwood three years ago. I reckon they're going to make sure that doesn't happen again, albeit. Grundy uh, won't be the opponent, but, um, yeah, I think Stanley will play. All right, your tip and margin, please. Uh, uh, 17, Geelong Cats to win and progress. All right, uh, 16 points. But I agree with you, Ron. A lot of people saying this could be the blow-up. The the odds show this will be the blowout. Uh, unless Collingwood have run their race mentally, mm. um but if you can't get up for a final at the at the Melbourne Cricket Ground on a Saturday afternoon, um, 
I'm not writing them off, but I think Geelong will be too good for the reasons I gave. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be a blowout. All right. One final left. It's over in Perth. Let's have a chat about it. The other elimination final. Loser, goodbye for season 2022. Winner stays alive. It is at Optus Stadium in Perth. It is at 8.10pm Eastern Standard Time Saturday evening. It is between Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Palmerbet gives you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. How are they framing the odds here? Well, Fremantle at home in Perth, understandably, warmish favourite Sadokas paying $1.52 head-to-head. And the Western Bulldogs, uh, the outsider in this game, they are paying $2.55. Let's have a look at some uh, details here. Fremantle, 15 wins and a draw this year finishing in fifth spot. The Bulldogs, 12 and 10, finishing eighth. Doggies have won three of the last four clashes between these two sides. Uh, Doggies have also won three of their last four appearances at Optus Stadium, where they are three and five overall. Fremantle at the same venue this year, uh, eight wins and four losses. Uh, I'll give you a, a first crack at this, Robert, but just before you do, actually some... News just coming to hand as we record this one about this game and a pretty devastating blow for the Bulldogs, and that is that Tom Liberatore has been ruled out of the elimination final, will not make the trip to Perth, injured his hammy at training last week and uh, has, as we record this on Wednesday morning... (laughs) been ruled out of the game at Optus Stadium. Hasn't missed a game all season until now. So that is a massive blow for the Doggies, Robert. Can they recover and go on and win this one against the odds? We get distracted with breaking news. Last week, Xavier Campbell interrupted our podcast, but uh, this week, Libba compliments it because it's all about what happens on the ground. And a very, I'm going to go straight back to you. Who's going to miss who the most? Nate Fife with a hamstring or Tom Liberatore with a hamstring? Rowan, over well, to you. Uh, well, I would say you uh, got to be Tom Liberatore because I think Nat Fife has only played, what, seven or eight games this year and anything he's contributed has been sort of cream on the cake and they've got used to doing it without him. Liberatore is the Bulldogs engine room. He is uh, he and Jack McRae are the, uh, the Pistons that keep the Bulldog car pumping, and uh, that is a massive blow for them. So I'd say that is the bigger loss. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you. I think um, Fremantle have gone on and learnt to live without uh, without Fife having to win, be in Brownlow medal form for them to improve and to win. That's not a knock on him. That's just a testimony to um, a pat on the back to Longmuir and his team, how he's developed it without Fife. Uh, just a couple of quick ones. And and this will highlight Liberatore's out even more. The Dogs score from stoppages. They are a stoppage machine. They're the first in the league at scoring points from stoppages. Liberatore out. Focus goes on to McRae. Will they play a, a, a lockdown player? Longmuir does play lockdown players on to McRae now that Liberatore's out. Um, uh, Fremantle, they're not the best defensive team, but they can defend. They're second on points against. They only average 67.5 against Rowan, and the opposition only score 38% of the time when going into the uh, Dockers' defensive 50. So I'll say to you, if the Dockers can match the Bulldogs at the stoppages, they will win this game quite comfortably. Well, they certainly did a good job last time they come came up against the Bulldogs. And not again, not all that long ago, only about a month ago, around 21, uh, that game at Marvel Stadium. And it resulted in a 17-point win to the Dockers, 14-11-95, defeating the Bulldogs, 11-12-78. That evening, Rory Lobb was a really important player. He kicked four goals for them. Uh, young Michael Frederick was another big contributor. He kicked three and Tabena kicked two for the Bulldogs that evening. Aaron Norton, three goals and Cody Waitman 
three goals. Unfortunately for the Dockers, this was also the game Tabiner hurt his calf in, and he remains hasn't played since then and remains pretty doubtful to front up for this one. But you'd think, as in that game, and he's pretty erratic, isn't he? We've spoken about him before, but Rory Lobb could be a really key player in this contest with some question marks, as ever, over the height and capabilities of the Western Bulldogs' back line, Robert. Exactly. Um, I want to give you a critical stat here, Ron. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the dog's weakness all year is defending ball movement, right? They can't defend the ball movement. That's why they have to be really good at stoppages. The Dockers are 15th in ball movement, and in the last six weeks, they are 17th for points scored. So where you can get the Docker, where you can get Fremantle, the Dockers aren't flash. The Dockers are brilliant at defending, as I've, I've given you those figures. So what you have here is a side that is not very good at exposing where the dogs are poor, and that mm. is defending full ground movement. That, to me, means it's – oh, I was going to say it's going to just be a shootout, but I, I, I think it's going to be a really dour, low-scoring, tough, uncompromising game. And doesn't that mean if uh, the doggies are really trying to thwart that uh, Frio ball movement, it makes – the presence of a informed key forward who can take a grab with some hurried delivery inside 50, even more important. And back to Rory Lobb, he, of course, since that game has, in round 21, has been injured. He's had uh, chest and shoulder injury. And uh, touch and go here, as indeed is Griffin Logue, who's had a groin injury. So they really, if they're going to be without Tabiner, they absolutely need Rory Lobb. In fact, I'd go so far as to say if Tabiner doesn't play and Lobb doesn't play, I don't see how Fremantle could get the points. But uh, I'm no, thinking... That's a good point. I, I was a little bit more optimistic. Um, mm. it, it, it seemed to... Um, I went to the AFL.com and read um, Selection and uh, they were quite confident that Lobb, Tabiner and uh, Logue would come on uh, and, and play in this game. But I tell you what, the loss of Liberatore... Uh, you balance that up with the potential loss of Lobb and Tabiner. Uh, I'm unsure where this game goes now, but I'm just going to base it on the fact that um, it's going to be really close, really mm. close, give, given the strengths and weaknesses of, um, of of both sides statistically. I've got to say, uh, looking at the four first, uh, first four finals, and this is the one in which I have least confidence in either side, A, getting the job done, but B, progressing too far beyond this game. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking that now as we've previewed them all. All those other games, I can argue a case for each side in them, not not just winning, but being able to keep winning and, and get through right to those last couple of weeks. I don't think these two sides can. I really don't. I think uh, injuries, as we've explained, uh, key personnel missing, They've both got their structural issues. They're both uh, finding scoring a little bit difficult against decent quality defensive sides now. Um, look, I, you know, I could be wrong, but I don't think we're about to see the Bulldogs get on another big finals roll a la last no. year or 2016. And I'm not sure Freo are quite good enough to, um, to win finals against the very best sides, particularly away from home. Doesn't mean they won't win here, though. In fact, I think they will win here. I'm going for the Dockers to win this one. Uh, I wouldn't call it comfortably, but I'm going to go for Fremantle to win this game by 20 points, and I agree with you. I think it could be quite uh, dour and low-scoring, but Fremantle for 20 points for me. What do you reckon? Ron, just a quick one. On that point that you made, you don't see them progressing. Um out of all the sides, you're quite correct on that. Um, who do if say Fremantle win, Rowan? Have you got the um, who do they cross over to? They'll play the loser of the Fremantle. That- Fremantle will play the loser of the uh, Geelong Collingwood qualifying final uh, in Melbourne at the cricket ground. Correct, obviously, oh, righto. Then I'm going for Fremantle in a in a dour struggle by um, eleven points. Eleven points. All right. So our margins uh, all 
pretty tight. In fact, eight tips between us and the biggest margin any of us have is uh, Richmond by 21 points. So fingers crossed we're right on that score and we see some pretty close and thrilling finals in week one. And uh, that is our preview show done and dusted. Uh, as always, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet, uh, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Just always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, thanks for your continued support, everyone. If you'd like to continue supporting us, so uh, you can donate to us via the ACAS supporter page. And there's a link there in the show description, wherever you listen to this podcast. And uh, whilst you're doing it, why not become a footyology patron? And now footyology, uh, the the gospel spreading far and wide. Now we've had a mention on page two of the age on Monday morning. They've been lining up to get involved. In fact, they haven't. I haven't had a single extra inquiry as a result of that, which means it's all the more important that our loyal listeners get on board and stump up for, come on, it's seven bucks a month for some pretty quality reading and quality podcasting. And, uh, you know, at least let me know that the hours and hours and hours I spend at this desk slaving <laughs> over the website, editing, producing, and Ronnie Werner, if you're listening. No, you, of course you're not listening, Ronnie Werner, but uh, a fair bit of work goes in. Um, and work done by not many people, i.e. me. So stump up for seven bucks a month, people. Become a footyology patron and uh, we'll be very grateful for that support. Uh, look, enjoy the finals, everyone. This is almost my favourite week of the season. There's four quality finals to enjoy over the next three days. So uh, let's hope they're crackers. We will be back on the weekend, uh, Sunday, in fact, to give you fulsome reviews of all four first finals in week one of the 2022 AFL final series. We'll catch you later.